0: From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast.
1: Ooh, I'm a rebel just for kicks. Now.
2: I've been feeling it since 1966.
3: Friday, March 17th, 2017, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Blue Apron. Incredible home cooking has never been more attainable thanks to Blue Apron, because for less than 10 bucks a meal, Blue Apron delivers easy-to-follow seasonal recipes, along with pre-proportioned ingredients right to your door. No more overspending at restaurants or high-end grocery stores. With Blue Apron, you can prepare delicious, memorable meals in under 40 minutes. And some of the uh, meals coming up in March... If if you were so inclined, here we go Read these pretty slowly Salmon salmon picado with orzo and broccoli A band name Pork chops (laughs) and miso butter with bok choy and marinated apple Mm. Vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips And spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice
4: Pause Chandler, you seem unaffected by this Do you have (laughs) no soul? He's reading beautiful I mean, you should be
3: playing soft background music He's saying words like bok choy yeah. What are you doing? Next time. And miso butter. Hey, check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with <laughs> free test. shipping by going to blueapron.com relevant. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash relevant. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. There you go. <laughs> like I said, I'm your host, Cameron Strang. And here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Koffels. man! B- b- happy birthday, Big b- uh, We call big him Big Feller. Shamrock. Big <laughs> Shamrock Cuffles. Over there, are our social media maven, Chelsea Steele. Hello, everybody. On the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother, Chandler Strang. Hello. And on the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. It's St. Patrick's Day, y'all. How fun. I guess. How fun. Well, I mean, when, this, when they're listening to this, when the show goes out at St. Patrick's Day.
4: I know. I still... Uh, but I, today... I, it's the one I have the hardest time figuring out. Because even like Cinco de Mayo, which generally does not have any connection to me or my heritage, right. is still like, ah, I can get down with all that food and drink. That's fun. Yeah, it's Saint a St. Patrick's Day. Day. I guess it's just like Guinness, right?
3: I I, I don't know. I don't even know I, what it's parades. about. It's saying uh, it's I think it's about potato famines. I don't well, know. Then happy St. Patrick's Day. He chased the snakes now, out. Now I'm on board. Wait, he chased the snakes out? Well, Didn't St.
0: Patrick chase the snakes out of oh, Ireland? Of Ireland but, yeah.
3: but snakes are cold-blooded. It's chilly and, up there. There's no
0: snakes. And it's not really possible to do that. Guys, I want to shift gears here. I want to <laughs> talk about, I want, I want to talk about Hamilton. I want to talk about Hamilton. <laughs> no, you a know what?
4: Then. I don't. So talk about it all you want, but I'm not gonna. I, I'm not going <laughs> no. to respond to right, those people. Here we go. We have a great
3: show in store for you today. Coming up later, uh, Kim Walker Smith from Jesus Culture joins us. Exciting uh, She's doing uh, the the segment, the songs that changed my life. You know that we've been doing. We've mm-hmm. done John Mark McMillan. We've done um, Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> 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 and also uh, some some staggering news coming out of the Middle East. Jeremy Courtney is yeah. coming on um, uh, this week as well. So oh, no follow up joke to that. Nope. Just hear from Jeremy. Yeah. Um awesome. So, and, and uh, you guys have stressed us out. If you didn't Not hear... Not me. I don't care. If you didn't <laughs> hear the podcast last week, good for you. There's this thing about our show for the last 11, almost 12 years now. We tend to have very strong opinions about things we're completely uninformed about. Mm-hmm. Not me. I have listened to Hamilton. I... Ie Canada, we have very strong, passionate been, opinions about been Canada. There. I've been there. There.
0: The snakes in Ireland, the snakes in Ireland. Very passionate. Whether or not, very passionate. not
4: they've actually or were driven out, right. yeah, that we've actually yeah,
3: not, yeah, don't know anything yeah. about. We just go out on a limb and and we just we just swing for the fences yeah. every once in a while, and and it's just part of our shtick. Well, we found the line that cannot be crossed. <laughs> apparently,
4: I'm going to double down, but you can. I mean, the do Amish.
3: We've offended the Amish, the right. deaf, the blind, all of them. We've offended every people groups you can. But all until minors, last week, all Chileans, all Chilean miners, all toll miners, booth workers, all toll booth workers, everyone <laughs> but,
0: who works or has ever worked in a mine and survived for the period of 40 days, yeah. <laughs> which I think is heroic, they were offended as well.
3: Everyone yeah. in Asia, everyone who's lactose intolerant, literally all the people <laughs> the we bald, have offended. The ball, but. Can't but uh, uh, but we have hell has seen no fury like uh, like a hamilton fan scorned <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it, it, i'm telling you we had i had the audaciousness to mm-hmm. have an opinion about lin manuel manuel miranda's rapping style right. okay i have heard the music of hamilton right. I, I know you've listened to the whole soundtrack yes, of course i am not in my opinion from last week I was not talking about the musical of Hamilton, the content, its significance. Was it a good play or not? None of those things was I talking about. I was talking about specifically (laughs) him as a rapper. The flow. Not that great as a rapper. It's not good rap as rap. That's all I said. And our Twitter account literally (laughs) melted. In flames. (laughs) And can I
4: defend the part of it, like my stance on it? I don't care. <laughs> oh, I don't, care. No, not, no, way, I don't you, care. I mean,
3: I'm not kidding you. On Sunday morning, <laughs> let it go, let it go. <laughs> I, on Sunday morning, I woke up to impassioned emails, direct messages to Relevant Magazine, canceling their magazine subscriptions yes. because they were so offended over my Hamilton comments. That's I know that's a bummer awesome. for you, but that warms no, my heart. I don't. I actually, I, I, I thoughtfully replied to the people who thoughtfully. I love that Critiques somebody us. canceled yeah. the
4: subscription. Not somebody,
3: some buddies, multiple people,
4: but also they're definitely listening to this right now. It, so you can talk nope, to them. They said that they unsubscribed.
3: Uh, no, no, no. Well,
4: that's, that's what they said. Mm-hmm.
3: So anyway, I thoughtfully replied if they were providing constructive criticism and yes. thoughtful, mm. you know, whatever yeah. I engage them. If they were just, you know, whatever. I, yeah. I just ignored it. But I that was most of my Sunday. I was traveling, and most of my Sunday was on Twitter.
5: That is crazy. That's funny.
3: Like, it was ridiculous. I was at the Jesus Culture Conference. Yeah. No, it was on Saturday that this was happening. I'm sorry. I was at the Jesus Culture Conference, and Banning Liebsherr, I was back in the green room. He's like, hey, what are you doing? He texted me. Hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm on Twitter. That's what I'm doing. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like, for like hours, I was there and back, in the I'm back room. I'm
0: taking down Hamilton is what I'm doing. Just
4: leave me be
1: Tweet by tweet.
4: I just love that... Uh, you and I expressed that we did not care for music. So, like, I like, uh, you and I have like different music. I love this band, Midlake. You made fun of them one time. Yeah. Don't care. You love the Almond Brothers. I love Almond and Almond you Brothers. Lo- you love you love the Oak
3: Ridge Boys. <laughs> right. Love Bluegrass. You love Skinnard and Leonard. Oh, wow. maybe yeah. you don't like he it. Lo-
0: he loves every member of the Dave Matthews band All equally of it. <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> you love
5: the I dead violinists. <laughs>
4: of an example oh, oh, oh. and I decided not to curse there so you didn't have to bleep.
5: I hope yeah. you still do though. <laughs> <But>, yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, we already, we but already, I already had Bleepgate. Um, <laughs> but like right so I've shared Dave that's, Matthews. That's band. True.
3: We have we have made a lot of fun of you over your Dave Matthews love. Cats. Cats. Yeah. Cats. So. All of this.
4: I am okay with people thinking it is horrible. I am because you canceled our friendship over that because I don't care what any of you think (laughs) I'm allowed to like what I like. That's right. You like what you like. That's right. Right. You don't like the rapper. Right. You don't like, you don't like it. But I, but Cameron, I like to your
0: credit, I did see some people who were angry about it and, you know, posted thoughtful arguments or offered to debate us in, <laughs> in a thoughtful way to engage the conversation, which is a great thing. But like, oh, no. hey, if you if you disagree, that's okay. Oh. But yeah, it, it it got a little heated, man. It's okay. No, it it's from,
3: not worth debating. No, it's no, not no. worth debating because if somebody's passionate and they love Hamilton and it meant to, means a lot to them. Great! I wasn't. I wasn't like no. don't, trying to change. I wasn't anymore. trying to change your <laughs> mind. I was just saying, as a hip hop fan, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I I just don't think he's that good of a rapper. <laughs> um, That's all. Listen, the people that want to debate can
4: promote their own podcasts their own way. (laughs) (laughs) And also, I would like to say this: "quote Your tears fuel my ministry."
1: So
3: (laughs) I just don't even care. (laughs) It's true. It's not that big of a deal. I I think everybody was expecting an apology, but there's nothing to apologize. Also, I'm going on vacation.
0: Eddie, you you understand that people aren't upset about the actual Hamilton. It's they're they're upset about the play, not the man. You understand that, right? Mm, Some of them were.
4: Some of them, no, none of them cared. I do think that Hamilton died. I would, I would venture to say, seventy-five percent of the people who responded didn't even know Hamilton was a real person. <laughs> so,
0: didn't know it wasn't working. My
4: favorite comment was somebody said, uh, um, "You know, it's probably good to listen to just so you have a historical understanding of it." I'm like. Yeah, I think we elementary uh, school. 5th grade. Yeah. <laughs> we got it. I don't get mo- most of my history from plays. I yeah. got most of my the, cat knowledge from plays,
1: I will <laughs> say. The, the other
0: thing too, I feel like we're in like a particularly thin-skinned cultural moment and I'm not going to wow. assign blame to Jessica's... any very well-known figure who's in power in our country, but I feel like it's everywhere. I recently uh like a the Bleacher Report or one of the sports websites Posted a, like an animated GIF of Dirk Nowitzki airballing a jump shot.
1: And, <laughs> yeah, you know, okay.
0: He's he's a Hall of Famer. He's like a top five scorer of all time. But the tweet was the, the tweet just said Dirk
3: forever, and it was him airballing a jump shot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it was I think
3: it was the night of the game where he uh, hit thirty thousand points, which is a big milestone. But in yeah. that game, he shot that airball. Yeah, like, so so it was like a,
0: it was it was irony. Mark yeah. Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, of Dirk Nowitzki plays for. Like sent this angry letter oh, to a, whoever is the the media conglomerate that owns Bleacher Report. It was like Comcast or something <laughs> and said that, you know, how infuriated he was about this single tweet that was obviously said in jest. If if it was an average player airballing it wouldn't be funny. It's like if Michael Jordan, you know, traveled or something and it said Jor- MJ forever. It's it's obviously a joke. And Mark Cuban ended up getting the tweet removed because he he was so wow. offended that someone made a joke about one of his players that wasn't even that, you know, wasn't even that pointed or mean. It was just a joke. I feel like this I feel like this is like a common thing these days. People now, are, are are a little thin skinned about things they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Jesse's stepping in it now, isn't
1: he? Yeah. <laughs> Hamilton's
0: a thing of the past. I got now we're going to have cubes, cubes coming after me. Eddie, I know you're a it. big Cubes fan. I know you're a big Shark Tank guy, but I'm just saying that was, that was not a cool move. Oh, no, not no. Cool I don't
4: move. think it was cool either. I think he should have left it up there. Just laugh at it. Who cares? Yeah.
3: Well, this, you know, Jesse, you and I probably won't even see the backlash of all this either because we'll be at South by Southwest when this is coming out. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to worry
0: about it at all. <laughs> so I, I was actually on uh vacation for a couple of days last week mm-hmm. and I would, I would peek in on the relevant podcast, Twitter timeline <laughs> and they'd be like, Nope, I don't need this dress right now. I do not need this anxiety. I'm just yeah. now unplugging. Yeah. No thanks. Hamilton well, defenders.
3: I didn't know. Alone.
4: I didn't know anything about it. And then you texted us and I was like,
3: huh, there's something brewing. Yeah. There's been, a, it was a, a, like, seriously, like I was, I was on the road and like I, I was I felt responsible for I know that you look at our feed and Jesse looks at our feed and I look at our feed and, and, and it was like such a just a deluge yeah. of, of, of hate about things that I said yeah. I felt responsible for kind of breaking our feed and ruining it if you guys were looking in. So I texted you guys to apologize for breaking our Twitter account. Oh, like, no. Sorry that I yeah, ruined I it know. clogging it up with you know, people mad at me and, and you were like, well, who cares? Yeah, Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah.
4: And I don't have access to it, so I don't get to write anything on. I don't want to write anything on the. <laughs> you don't have access to it? Yeah, that, no, I don't want, I don't Did want access to. Did Jesse ban you? No, no. I've never, and I don't ever want to. <laughs> no, I- I, because I just know <laughs> that I will. I will do exactly what you think I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> and, right, I'll be at 11 o'clock at night and I'll just rip apart somebody and not have understood their tweet and
1: have Yay. to apologize.
0: And that <laughs> night would have posted an animated GIF of Dirk Nowitzki airballing a jump shot and the tweet
4: would have said,
2: Dirk
0: forever and Hamilton
2: sucks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right.
4: You don't want me to have access to that. I need to live or die under my own, next to my own mm. picture and my own family shame. That's right. Kind of <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want me on
3: that. Yeah. Well, this week we will be too busy uh, discovering amazing babies. And, and Austin you'll be off on a family yeah. vacation so y'all can say whatever you want yeah, on Twitter please do <laughs> let
4: us know how you feel about Hamilton though we'd love to hear from you <laughs> at relevant podcast <laughs>
0: My opinion <laughs> about Lin-Manuel Miranda's <laughs> rapping is it's the rap hip-hop equivalent of Dirk <laughs> bomb, is what I think. quote Jesse Carey <laughs> It's a joke It's a joke, Cubes Whoever does
4: Koffold's quotes, please just use that one instead. That's all I want to say
3: Well, there you go. Alright, well, moving the show along It's time for our uh, weekly look back at what happened and culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It Well, In Case You Missed It, this week, a TED Talk from a former Westboro Baptist Church member describing why she left the cult went viral. Her name's uh, Me- Megan Phelps Roper, and she grew up in the uh, the cult, which is you know the hate group is mostly comprised of members of a single family known for protesting funerals of American soldiers. They target Jews, members of the gay community. Yeah. It just they came down during Pulse. That's right. Which what is, yeah oh yeah remember the angel yeah. thing do you remember okay so the Westboro people <laughs> were, were protesting the memorial and, <laughs> and and it's like fresh and it's some so art is like, I mean, it's like a, the next day yeah. oh so these artists made these massive angel wing things that you went up like that. 10 feet wide and then draped right yeah. and they wore them and they, and they went and got like 20 or 30 people to wear these massive angel things is- and stood in front of the protesters so
4: it was very peaceful yeah and eventually eventually Westboro just left. They That's just great. quietly Beautiful. went away. But That's the, how best, you to go. the best part was that it was the police department that actually tweeted like Westboro has is heading north and they put like a little exclamation point or something like that just as a little commentary. It was great. But anyhow, so she was in West. She was a part of that. Whole yeah, group, yeah. So she,
3: she since left the group and is speaking out uh, against their message In a moving Ted talk. She explains what caused her to leave the group and it's uh, ideology, uh, mm. love, civility, and the real message of Jesus. The brief talk is a powerful look at the impact of loving, thoughtful dialogue in the danger of outrage, trolling, and hate. Here's a a clip.
5: What gives me hope is that we can do something about this. The good news is that it's simple. And the bad news is that it's hard. We have to talk and listen to people we disagree with. It's hard because we often can't fathom how the other side came to their positions. It's hard because righteous indignation, that sense of certainty that ours is the right side, is so seductive.
3: Do you realize that could be totally applied to the people disagreeing with us about the about the <laughs> <Totally>. Hamilton <laughs> yeah. opinion. They
5: could be I, right. I, I really It's hard because it means extending empathy and compassion mm. to people <laughs> who show us hostility and contempt. <laughs> the impulse to respond in kind is so tempting. Eddie. But that isn't who we want to be. <laughs> Eddie. We can resist, and I will always be inspired to do so by those people I encountered on Twitter. Apparent enemies. Who <laughs> it became applies perfectly. Yeah. Oh, this, this is
1: ridiculous. <laughs> what a convicting.
4: I, can, I don't know if I can play along with what this a comparison. Uh, That's really convicting.
3: For for us, in responding to the Hamilton critics. Oh, I don't feel that way.
0: With, <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm, I'm, I regret everything I said, and... His rapping is not the equivalent of a Dirk Nowinski airball. I apologize.
4: Hey, in case you missed it. Hold on. on, on. I got to say one. We got to say one thing, though. I cannot believe she's the first person we've heard from
3: post-Westboro. Right. Right. I can't. I think that there's I heard there was another one like like a year. I think more fairly, it's the first person I've heard. There's a person on Ted. Yeah. yeah.
0: And she's very articulate and thoughtful about why she left and the the posture that other people took with her. When she was in the midst of, like I said, it, it is a, it was a cult, and and she was engaging people with hate filled rhetoric. But it was the kindness and empathy that people had towards her as a human being that eventually led her to question her own messages of hate for other people.
3: Yep. Mm. Well, in case you missed it uh, this week, uh, model Haley Baldwin had an interesting message for Twitter trolls. Uh, There's a theme this week about Twitter trolls. <laughs> <Is> she like <laughs> a Baldwin? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, she's Stephen's daughter.
1: Yeah.
4: Is that true? Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah, uh, the message was this: try listening to worship music and pray. Uh, so Haley was on the receiving end of some celebrity gossip from tabloids, and she um, and she tweeted in response to social media trolls who were recently perpetuating rumors about her personal life. The tweet said, uh, "Listen to some Hillsong United, pray a little, and worry about yourself, y'all." <laughs> she has more than nine million Instagram followers and one and a half million Twitter followers, uh, but she recently told the Times Magazine that she has a complicated relationship with social media. She said, uh, "It definitely does something to the soul." they are Times when I feel depressed or anxious. And a big part of it comes from that. If we don't have social media, we'd have a weight lifted off our shoulders. It does affect you. People tell me I'm ugly, fat. I try not to care, but the fact is everyone wants to see what people are saying about them. Uh, she's also been vocal about her Christian faith, uh, explaining to Teen Vogue, I don't look at it as a religion. I look at it as your own personal relationship with God, because what I believe, it doesn't say in the Bible that it's a set religion and a set standard of rules. It's your own personal relationship with God between you and him. And the Bible is a tool for you to be able to live, out, live that out day to day. Church is a tool for you to fellowship with other people that believe in what you believe in. There you go.
0: I le- there's no response to that. If someone's like coming at you and saying uh, being a jerk on Twitter, there's no comeback to you. Can need to go listen to some Hillsong, Hillsong United. <laughs> what do you say in response to that? It's the perfect comeback to silence somebody.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, that's I mean, what. So I'm going to reply to everybody who has something to say yeah. about yeah. Hamilton. I'm <laughs> <I can't laughs> Go listen to Hillsong hey, United. Yeah, hey, yeah. Stop listen to them? Hamilton. Go listen to Hillsong United. Yeah, listen to some real rap.
4: Down with the DC talk. (laughs) These people knew what rapping was.
3: Um, (laughs) In case you missed it, this week... Even um,
4: Kevin. Kevin's even not a rapper and he still understood it.
0: I only wrote, by the way, this in case you missed it item is only because of the joke.
3: Yeah. uh, in, In case you missed it, this week... Our nation's pastors, who are hungry for more sermon illustrations, all rejoiced because a Matrix reboot is in the works.
0: Oh, Jesse! <laughs> oh, thank the it Lord! They really just teed up for us. If it, I would, I would have written the exact same thing if Braveheart was doing like a sequel. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs>
3: Warner Brothers is currently developing a reboot of the Matrix franchise and is considering Michael B. Jordan for the lead role. The Wachowski siblings or Wachowski siblings who wrote and directed the original trilogy are not involved. Oh. Um, it kind of dropped off after the first one if you Michael ask me. Michael Jordan yeah. would be great. Michael he shot Michael a lot B. of air balls on his <laughs> way. <laughs>
4: yeah, it'd be Michael Jordan forever. Yeah. Yeah. How dare you. Uh,
3: in case you missed it, uh, human rights eternally, uh, Maul Clooney, she's also uh, the daughter of Stephen Baldwin. Did you know that? Talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she yeah, she's got a very cool family. She, she spoke out <laughs> against religious persecution in Iraq. Um, she's an international human rights attorney, and she addressed global leaders at the UN this week, urging them to not allow ISIS to get away with genocide. Clooney represents a Yazidi woman who was kidnapped, raped, and sold as a sex slave by ISIS. Uh, Yazidis are one of the religious minorities targeted by ISIS in Iraq. Uh, Clooney is asking leaders to investigate and prosecute war crimes and is pleading with Iraq's president to not uh, allow them to go ignored. Here's a clip.
2: The UN has already concluded that ISIS is committing genocide against this group and there can be no more serious crime. The UN was created as the world's way of saying never again to the genocide perpetrated by the Nazis. And yet here we are, 70 years later, discussing the UN's inaction in in the face of a genocide that we all know about and that is ongoing. Don't let this be another Rwanda where you regret doing too little too late. Don't let ISIS get away with genocide.
3: Powerfully, uh, a year ago, like next week, uh, the U.S. uh, John Kerry uh, declared uh, that the that the deaths of Christians by ISIS in in the Middle East are they declared it a genocide, an official, national, internationally recognized genocide, like like Rwanda, and Mm. specifically, uh, you know, the minorities that uh, religious groups that are being talked about specifically Christians, Mm. and um, and since that declaration. Uh, literally, uh, America has done nothing, yeah. and I've been in some meetings in the last week where that, is, you know, some different leaders that are are saying like this is this is ridiculous. It's it's mm-hmm. like we're we declared it a genocide and we've done nothing to stop it as a nation, and um, and so. There's some people putting heat on Washington now.
0: Yeah, and that, and that was part of her message, too, despite these eyewitness reports. I mean, no one's disputing that these things are happening, but no one from ISIS has been persecuted prosecuted for war crimes, mm. which yeah. is, you know, completely outrageous.
4: Yeah. One of my favorite jokes about her ever was that, uh, I think it was like Amy po- Poehler was hosting the, I don't know, something oh. where she was there. And they're like, Amal Clooney is here. Okay. And they talked about how distinguished she was and what a great, and they're like, and also she, she married the guy from Oceans 13. <laughs> and like, yeah, that's what It was the said. night they were giving
5: George Clooney a Lifetime yeah, Achievement <laughs> Award. Oh, that's <laughs> right, that's right, that's right.
4: <laughs> I, I always think I'm like, you just hear her and you're like, she is really changing the planet and also she married the old brother where art thou yeah. and also
0: remember when uh, her husband was in ER for a while yeah,
4: yeah. and did a did a few guest spots on give me a break
0: oh so, that guy no he to his credit I mean I know he's involved oh, yeah. in humanitarian activism oh, but, yeah.
3: all the Clooney fans oh. are going to just annihilate us on Twitter this week oh no, gosh <laughs> it's like we posted a gif of him shooting an air ball or something <laughs> goodness gracious people
1: I'm excited
4: hey. I'm excited about Lin-Manuel Miranda in the Mary Poppins Reboot. If that makes people feel better. I think he's perfect. Is he going to act and sing and not try to rap? I mean, no, I'm sure he'll rap. But he's Burt. He's like the uh, Dick Van Dyke character.
3: Perfect. But why would Burt rap?
4: Maybe he won't. <laughs> I don't know that he. That's scheduled these. I think he'd be
3: great. Let's just like move on from from the rapping stick Right. I, like I agree. Mary
4: right, I'm like Mary Poppins.
3: No big deal. Hey, in case you missed it, uh, this week, uh, Beyonce, John Legend, Coldplay, and Julia Roberts are among the celebrities who signed an open letter supporting gender equality. The letter was posted on International Women's Day and explained how we currently are at a critical moment in history. It read in part... All over the world, women are on the front lines fighting for our future, yet millions of girls and women are still denied basic equal rights. We stand together to say in a voice louder than ever that fighting for gender equality is the emergency and the opportunity of our time. We fight for education, for health, for justice, for every girl, every woman, everywhere. We fight for our future because none of us can move forward if half of us are held back. The organization Global Citizen, which organized the letter, advocates for the victims of global violence, access to education, the availability of vaccination, and other causes to benefit communities around the world
4: you think it was all of Coldplay? Because like nobody knows the drummer's name. Right. <laughs> like, who cares?
5: Chris Martin and Coldplay. Right. Chris, the, the drummer is
4: Chris just... Chris Martin
3: like, and friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. Chris like, Martin
4: plus three. You're right. Yeah. Doug Melveen, and then he has to like draw an arrow up to Chris's name. He's like, I drum for that guy.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, Chris Martin
0: and Frank. He's <laughs> <insane>. <laughs> Frank.
1: Did
0: Frank, Frank sign? Frank? Is
3: Frank in there? Yeah, yeah. He has to write <laughs> drum Finally get the ball me. rolling on this equality Frank, thing, Frank oh, in. All right. Well, that'll do it for in case you missed it. Stay tuned. Up next, Slices. listening to Day Wave. The song is something here. At the beginning of the podcast you heard Portugal the Man with the new single Feel It Still. Okay, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse?
0: Alright, <laughs> Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I have another confession to make this story I found interesting but it also teed me up for some more jokes matrix sermon illustration style <laughs> so I'm gonna read the new story yeah. and then tell you why I chose it okay? no shame that's all so, that's
4: all any of us look for with a slice I'm like ah, I is, I a, gotta, is there a joke I in there? I think I got a little
0: follow-up run to that one <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> like I, I don't know how many if if we're your primary source for jokes, <laughs> no, I'm concerned. you need to reevaluate your life <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Visa, the credit card and banking company, we know recently uh, <laughs> announced a new product that they're debuting at the World Surf League uh, Championship. It is a wearable uh, credit card. Well, it's actually not a credit card. It's prepaid. So, But it, in effect, it works like a debit card that you wear on your face in the form of sunglasses. What? So... In the sunglasses are a chip. And so let's say you wanted to go pay for something. It has like the, the no-touch feature where you can wave it in front of the little credit card operating machine and make your purchase just by holding your sunglasses to it. So you no longer even have to carry a wallet with you because you can wear your credit cards thanks to
3: this new these new sunglasses from Visa. You know, though, everybody in the world carries their phone on them. Yeah. And with Apple Pay and Google Pay... You, I mean, like everyone, you don't need to also yeah. now wear sunglasses. Yeah, it's no already no in your phone.
5: Everyone in the yeah. world has also lost a pair of sunglasses. Right? This, is, <laughs> this is actually Midi-purs. a terrible, terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, I think. Cameron. I was I
0: I was thinking about it a lot, and I was like, I was had the same thoughts. I lose sunglasses like it's my job. I do not <laughs> own a <laughs> pair of sunglasses. I've never owned a pair of sunglasses that lost that have uh, lasted longer than like two weeks. Mm. Right. Like, seriously, <laughs> like I lose them all the time. This would be a disaster. Especially if it's like prepaid, so the money's <laughs> already there. You know, it's already gone. If but. I did think that this was a cool invention for one reason. Can I tell you guys what it is? Please. Why? It can make every financial transaction you make. The ability to look like the cool CSI guy when you make it. (laughs) You make the purchase and you, and you, here's the thing, you got to lean into the credit card and then you lower it to deliver the one-liner. So I thought thought of some scenarios. Can I run them by you guys? Please. This really, really was a setup.
1: This is, these are, these are,
0: you can become David Caruso with every, every purchase. (laughs) I'll take this banana, please. And Hurry. I really need to split.
1: Yeah! <laughs> I, I lower
0: my glasses. I lower my glasses and pay for the banana. I'll take these shoes. You know what? Throw in the laces. Just for kicks. Yeah! <laughs> First seen a plane ticket. Flying across the country. They're like, uh, do you want window or aisle? I'll take window, please. I'm winging it. Yeah! Sir, so yeah, do you, do, do you really works. want the window? No, actually, I'll take the aisle. I just—I got, I got an elbow thing. I kind of need the space. But uh, um, well, how about this?
1: How about this? I'll take—I'll take.
0: <laughs> I'll take the breakfast platter. Hold the eggs. I've heard they're not all they're cracked up to be. Seriously though, if you could put like one egg in there, I, I need protein, so uh, we'll, we'll do. One more. Okay, last oh my one. P- Paying for the meal. Paying for the meal. Would you like to leave a tip? Yeah, a very good one. Lose the attitude next time. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So I am first in line. Wow. Needless to say, I am first in line to buy these sunglasses. The only thing is, you don't look as cool when you're like, you know, it, you can't really main, maintain eye contact with you. You're kind of leaning down into yeah. the credit card reader right. every time you're delivering right. these one-liners, but right. still, it's a cool thing. Right. And then it's going to ask you like
5: cash back, put your pen in, so you've got quite a while. You know them. what? The, you know
3: what? <laughs> we need to invent, you know, have you, I got a, uh, back in the day, I got a novelty pen given to me and it was, uh, and, and you could press the button and it would say the Donald Trump line from The Apprentice you're fired like mm-hmm. you would, and that would be like joke. executive pin it was called yeah mm. and then great,
4: great joke y- right
3: we should invent something that then has that que- queued up that <laughs> yeah so like <laughs> that Jeff, would be it should be sunglasses <laughs> it, should it should be, be sunglasses. sunglasses that oh, when you lower good, them this is lower the screen. Now, this is way better than Visa <laughs> yeah, yeah just when you lower them <laughs> it like it has some sort of sensor and it right. knows it's being lowered and it it's an adorable, doorbell like when they're tipped a little bit yeah when they're tipped yeah can, Can I we take real ahead. talk?
0: If we set up a Kickstarter and we made those sunglasses, <laughs> I, so I guarantee you goods. it would bring in like ten thousand dollars. Oh, for sure. Ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> the David Caruso CSI Miami sunglasses. I'm hesitant to even throw this out into the world because someone's gonna do it. It's become a internet sensation and we're not gonna see a piece of this action, but yeah. we're gonna throw that gift out
3: there. Yeah. Well, I think we've given the world a lot of ideas to run mm-hmm. with. So Yeah, and they've mm-hmm. ran with very few.
1: The yeah. other Cameron,
0: I wish with that when you had that uh Trump uh, pen the the Apprentice one that said yeah. you're fired. Yeah, the executive I wish you, pen. The, it was called the executive. The
3: executive pen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
0: I wish you would have actually fired somebody with it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, you
0: like you bring them in your office. You're like, hey, I need to talk to you about in there. With the and guy what do you then. do? You, do you click it, and that's when he says
3: it. Yeah, you click the end of it, and the little speaker says... "You're
1: hey, you know, like,
0: uh, Come on in, take a seat, take
1: a seat, take a <laughs> seat. I just, hey, listen, um, I,
0: we, need, we need to talk about I might something. I need to tell you. You know what? what? You know what? And you pull out the pen, and you just hold it right up to your face, and you click it, and it says, you're fired. And the person starts laughing, and you start laughing. You're like, <laughs> no, but seriously, you need to clean out your desk. <laughs> Get your, Remove your things.
4: The executive right. kind of spell, Just like though. a long period of silence, and you're just staring at him, and then Cameron just pulls out the pen very gently <laughs> clicks it oh no yeah they the, see the pen in their puts stomach the rough. pen away and then cameron just rotates in his seat so that the back's facing them and then they just walk out <laughs> <laughs> that's it you're fired there you uh, go. our president all right what do you have
5: chelsea <laughs> um a 21 year old woman named alexa siri says she's been waking up in a living nightmare Nightmare, having the same two names as the best-selling tech devices. Oh,
3: my goodness. Funny.
5: Funny thing. Yeah, so she lives in Ventor City, New Jersey, and she uh, spoke with the local news service there, saying, in the beginning when Siri came out, I got it all the time. It started at work, and it would be Siri do this, Siri do that. And she expected it to eventually die out until Amazon came out with Alexa, her first name. Now she says they do the same thing. Uh, she said, mostly just mostly people just saying, "Haha, I'm just telling you what to do. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> 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 I love her pointed response um, to all OK, of this.
4: yeah, um, so.
5: <laughs> but it got me. I mean, we talk about it a lot on the show. People who have names as celebrities who kind of came before them. Michael Jordan, Michael B. Jordan, Alexa, right. Siri. And I was just wondering what other names that people I mean, we're kind of in a new tech revolution where we're getting giving robots people names.
0: Yeah. Uh, Alexa Siri has to be the worst possible name to have right now. It really is. First name,
5: Alexa. Last name, Siri.
4: It is a little bit weird to me that they did put names to these virtual assistants. Like, I would have rather just said, iPhone, what's the weather? Mm. Instead of like having to call by a name and she's a voice. And I really dislike the personality. Like, can you set (laughs) a one hour timer? And she's like, one hour timer set. I'm dying with anticipation. I'm like, I don't need jokes in my life. I didn't right ask now. Do they really do that? Yeah. You're a computer.
3: I need yeah. you to just do computer things. If you ask it like, what's the meaning of life and stuff like that.
1: Yeah.
4: She'll well, be like, but I get that. If you're teeing it?
3: up for jokes, but I don't like it when it adds little, oh, yeah. when
4: it what's gets the sassy. Word? Seems like a nice day. I'll be like, I'll be like, shut like Siri
3: play beats one. She'll be like beats one. That's my favorite radio station. Right.
4: I'm like, I don't care. I don't need you to have a name. I don't need you to have a personality. I need <laughs> you you know, to know what
0: those jokes are? It's the equivalent. It's this generation's equivalent of Clippy. It's like I, <laughs> I know you're not real Clippy. Okay, you're a dumb Explain Clippy. paperclip. <laughs> Okay. Oh, explain Clippy real No, <laughs> if I wanted help, if I wanted help with was, mar- setting margins, I'd ask for help setting margin. There's a little tab right there that says help, and I can type a question into it. Why don't just, just poof into that cloud? fade uh, him out so the camera I, I'm say I'm done with, with
3: you. <laughs> <laughs> When, when in, the, in the 90s and early 2000s, if you're on a PC and you were in Microsoft Office programs, yeah. and, and it seemed like you were needing some tips... This little animated paperclip would appear, called Clippy, and he would ask you if you need help, and he would always give you little tips and tutorials. Little tips, and he and just, yeah, and he was annoying, just
0: like Siri. Yeah, like the I don't, I don't sh- need I don't need robots telling I don't need robots joking with me. I don't need them like offering their help. I will ask. By the way, right. I saw someone wired up. Uh, the, the Amazon digital assistant is Alexa, right? That's yeah. you yeah. have yes. one, right, Cameron? I do.
4: I kind of want one. Someone wired up it. theirs.
0: Uh, to a Billy Bob bass uh, and every time Siri talks or Alexa talks, it comes to the mouth of the well, Billy Bob.
1: Earlier
0: this
4: <laughs> week on the website, there was one wired up to a skull Yeah, yeah. and it talked. It was terrifying and awesome. Yeah. It's like the future.
5: I feel like they made them female voices. Maybe I'm wrong here because they wouldn't sound as sassy if it was like the nerdy voice of the dude who probably invented all of the ch- one-liners. You
4: can change it though. There's a bunch of different voices, but yes, the default. You know what is,
5: I mean? Yeah. Yeah,
4: I think she sounds like authoritative.
5: Like when you yeah. when you make fun of like a dorky kid and they're like, you're not the boss of me. You're like, it's a free country.
4: Yeah, except I want mine to sound like a robot. Mm. This is the problem. I don't want any, I mean, there's enough humans. Like we're good. I've got enough human interaction. <laughs> what was the one
3: where the, the dude <laughs> fell in love with his operating system? Oh, her. her. That was a good movie. Yeah yeah that was a, <laughs> actually was a good movie <laughs> that was a good movie, but that's where we 're going you don't want it, you don't want your device but, to have personality your you may fall for it. Mm. No no, I just need it to be uh, functional
4: yeah right. I just want to be able to look at a banana and buy it and tip my hat, and what sound does it make, Jesse. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: That's stupid. No, no. I'm sorry, it doesn't work there You know here, okay, I, I think if you feel like you are in danger Of falling in love with Alexa Then you need to figure out how to wire it up To the Billy Bass Because all you'll do is laugh every time it talks It is hilarious I've watched the video like a hundred times And it's only like 20 seconds long But I laughed every time I can never fall in love with the Billy Bass but, I'll tell you that But later.
4: also, Jesse, to your, to your point though, Jesse like if they If someone does start to kind of fall in love with Alexa Well, okay I mean, what? Who cares? <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, what do you have, Eddie? This is a case of... I think it's art... Imi- hold on. How would it work out? <coughs> life imitating art <laughs> imitating life.
3: Oh, okay. The Matrix. Did we all watch the show Mad Men? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Our office is designed like that. <laughs> okay. Set basically.
4: I, so I love this show, and of course, like we have to always say, there is some, uh, there is some very adult content. In it, so I can't fully like right. this isn't like relevant recommends, but I liked it. So But, I uh,
3: but at least it's it's not HBO. At yeah, least that's it was right. yeah,
4: you know, or whatever. A lot, a lot of implications. AMC. AMC. Not yet. So, Mad Men. It does get dark in in the middle. In case you haven't seen it, the premise of the show is it's all about an advertising agency and the main character's name is Don Draper. And the show is really about his rise and fall and kind of rise again. But it's all under the... kind of under this umbrella of... he is an ad man. So, throughout the show, there were these really interesting times where they would be pitching a client. So they had like Jaguar and uh, some baked beans company and different airlines and airlines and stuff like that. And part of my favorite, one of my favorite parts of the show was you would eventually see the pitch and the pitch was typically amazing. And you would just go, that's actually a really (laughs) great slogan for Jaguar. Like what a really clever way. So, uh, but I was always interested because none of these became a thing. Last week, Heinz announced Heinz ketchup announced that Don Draper finally landed the account and they loved it. And Heinz is rolling out the full Don Draper ad no way, exactly yeah. as it was in Mad Men all oh, throughout wow. New York and through print. And I thought, okay, but are they like dressing it up? They're using the, the same, same, one. <laughs> same photography, same, same photography, same everything. So the, the, the pitch is this, and I'm not going to do as good a job as Don Draper did, but the idea was it was for Heinz ketchup. And the pitch was, um, it would just be pictures of like a big picture of a plate of fries, but the fries have no ketchup. And the slogan simply says "Pass the Heinz," because the idea is that all of these things must have ketchup on it. So, like a piece of steak, a hamburger with no ketchup on it, it says "Pass the Heinz." And so, I when I saw this on Mad Men, I was like,
3: "That is
5: genius, brilliant!" Really good, yeah.
3: Yeah. I'm looking at the a shot right now right. of the scene where he's pitching it to the right. ad execs, and I see the the posters right. that you're you're describing. So, the ad
4: execs in the show had two issues with it. One is you don't show the ketchup, and they couldn't get their head around the fact that they don't show the ketchup. In order to sell the ketchup, so that was their first problem with it. The second problem with it was is that they didn't call it Heinz ketchup. And um, Don's response to that was basically, "Heinz just is ketchup. You don't
3: have to call it ketchup. Yeah, Everybody else says ketchup. Yeah. You do yeah. Heinz." Yeah, it's like I have a Z- I have a Xerox machine. You know, it's right. like that's just yeah. like became synonymous for Z- a copy yeah. or, so now or you say I have Rolodex, Heinz right. and
4: you you might have another different thing on the table, but generally you just don't call it ketchup. You just right. say. Um, and so, so, Don, so
3: basically, Don was way smarter than the ad execs. He did. Or they the, said the, the,
4: no. They ended up taking Peggy's pitch. Peggy was a, with a competing firm at the time. It was, a, it was all. It was a whole thing. It was a whole. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. even get me started on this.
3: Mentor, protege, peers, uh, yeah. enemies. Uh, it's just terrible.
4: <sighs> Hard to watch. Hard to relive. <laughs> but But uh, Hines just recently said, "No, actually, we loved it." And they're at, and I was reading this in Ad Age, and it was with their advertising people, and they're like it was actually totally on brand and really brilliant and we (laughs) love it and we thought about it sort of in jest, but then we kind of kept coming back to it and going, Actually, that's a great advertising. Do they have to pay
3: AMC or anything? Well,
4: I'm wondering like who if it's like it was who's the guy that wrote the show Matt Matt Weiner Yeah, Yeah. like if they have to pay him or how it works, but I'm sure there's some sort of deal set up, but their whole advertising of the advertising is thanking Don Draper, who would now be 96 years old, thanking (laughs) him for the great idea (laughs) and excited (laughs) that his pitch worked out and now you will see it. So if you see just an ad, that's a really simple picture of food and says
3: pass the Heinz. You know, well, there's a Don huge Draper. billboard in New York at uh, 49th and Seventh. If you want to go wander yeah, so over there and a, see yeah, take a picture wow. of it.
0: That would be neat. It'd be interesting if other companies or products that were featured on the show, start would, taking the yeah, would start using <laughs> them too. Because at, at, Eddie, like you were saying, most of them were actually pretty interesting. I mean, a lot of them served as some sort of other like metaphor or something. Yeah, you know, but still, like the a lot of them were interesting scene of cool. the
3: of the series, mm. like it was a big Coke commercial, but, but that it was one was like, real. It, Mm-hmm. It was no, I know. It was a re- yeah. no, I know. Yeah. yeah, but that was art imitating light imitating art. My mind is blown oh. right now.
5: So meta, <laughs> but it's also
3: a metaphor. I mean, yeah. it's a real thing, but it was also. It's
4: like the actual Alexander Hamilton, incredible rapper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot
3: of people don't know that, and that's that's why it gets oh, confusing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But Eddie, I'll say this. Terrible jump shooter. He's <laughs> terrible. <laughs>
1: Couldn't he really hit the
3: rim. I mean, he's ridiculed in his yeah. time. Uh, you know what? Him. You know what? Billboard. If you're looking for it, if you're wandering around 47 or 49th or 7th, and you're looking for it, uh, the the billboard that it's adjacent to and catty corner from is uh, for the new Fast and Furious movie, uh, The Fate of the Furious. <laughs> opening <laughs> April 14th. I'm very excited.
0: Is, is it? Wait, real, I'm sorry. Real quick, this is the eighth movie in the franchise, right? Yeah. Is anyone else baffled that they didn't spell fate F in the letter eight, like a license plate?
1: Hey,
0: I'm not Don Draper, but if it was me, the billboard billboard would be a vanity plate and just be F eight. That's it. Oh,
4: fate. Wow, Jesse. Normally, that, you have nothing but terrible, terrible, yeah. terrible, terrible, terrible
0: ideas. But that Eddie, was really wait, smart. I, it's, it's weird, it weird home, that man. you say that yeah. because we just thought of the David Caruso glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're coming back, that my vanity plate billboard idea to promote an eighth Fast and Furious movie is a terrible idea. <laughs>
4: oh, my goodness. Did you should bring that? that up to the cubes. He would love to hear about
6: that.
0: I, 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 I need to get up with someone involved in that film and pitch this idea. I don't know who's responsible for that, for that joke billboard, but it's sitting across from one that died. Draper did. Yes, step up your
3: game. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, that'll do it for Slice's. Stay tuned. Out next, Kim Walker-Smith joins us. To our next guest, Kim Walker Smith. It's her new single throne room. Well, this week's feature segment is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all included in your Squarespace website. Creating a site with Squarespace is simple, it's intuitive, and you can use amazing, beautiful templates. And Squarespace also has seamless commerce tools and 24-7 customer support. So if you want to launch an online store, they do everything from invoices to tracking inventory. It's it's really amazing. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code RELEVANT to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, set your website apart. Kim Walker-Smith is one of the leaders of Jesus Culture, a worship music outfit based out of Sacramento's Jesus Culture Church. Um, The group's latest album is called Let It Echo, and it debuted at number 35 on the Billboard 200. And like you heard a few minutes ago, Kim's latest solo single is called Throne Room, and it just released this week. We recently spoke with Kim about the songs that shaped her as a musician, inspired her as a worship leader, and even helped her launch her career. Here is Kim Walker-Smith.
6: My first one I chose I Wanna Dance With Somebody by Whitney Houston. It's like the song of my childhood. The first time I heard that song was with my mom. My mom loved music and I was raised in the eighties and you know MTV had come out at that time. And my mom being a musician and someone who loved music she was super excited about MTV being on and she was constantly buying new music. And we had a cassette player in the house and she had, you know, just got the latest Whitney Houston cassette and my mom was playing it and the first time I heard that song I remember thinking it was the most beautiful voice I'd ever heard and I wanted to sing exactly like Whitney and I would sneak my mom's cassette tape into my room and put it in my little Cassette player and play it over and over. You know, with with a cassette, you you play it through, and then you flip it over to the other side, and then play it through. And I would just sit in my room for hours listening to that. And sometimes I would just be, you know, dancing, making up all sorts of dance moves, and just. Trying so hard to match her voice, match every, you know, nuance of her voice, how all of her runs and just imagining trying to, you know, sing exactly like Whitney. And that became one of my favorite songs. I don't think as a kid, I knew anything about what the song was about, except I loved that it talked about dancing and I loved that it was Whitney and just the melody of the song, the beat of the song. It, it just drew me in and became the song I listened to all of the time as a child. Like my my number one mom said, what do you guys want to listen to? It was always, I wanted to listen to Whitney and I wanted to listen to, I want to dance with somebody. My second one is um, Healing Oil, and Healing Oil, I don't know if it's like a song that a ton of people would know about, but um, when I started, I didn't really get exposed to any Christian music until like late high school, and um, someone had given me a Crystal Lewis CD, and at the end of the, the CD, I think it was like one of the last tracks, maybe the last track I don't know, um, was the song Healing Oil and um, at the time when I heard the song my mom was um, battling for her life with breast cancer and um, that song just meant so much to me at that time and what we were walking through as a family and just um, kind of trying to grapple with what the song was saying and, and um, could, could God heal my mom? Would she be healed? Um, what if she wasn't healed? What if my mom dies? You know, like all these things I was just as a teenager kind of thinking about. And um, the song just meant a lot to me. And then um, my mom ended up, she, uh, she survived cancer and many years cancer-free now. And my my stepdad who came into my life as a teenager and, um, you know, was dad to me, uh, he ended up um, getting diagnosed years and years later with Parkinson's disease. And um, when I set out to record my Still Believe album, I just had this thing in me that I wanted the whole album to be about healing and, and not not just like physical healing, but just just healing in general like what God does when He redeems us and He, he sets us free and and um, I suddenly remembered this song Healing Oil um, from back in the day and just how much it meant to me and I thought I want to put this song on my record like just the chorus at the, at the end of um, Miracle Maker and we're in the process of planning out the album and everything. And um, I'm, I'm down in Southern California with my husband, and we're hanging out with our friend Chris Lazat, who is a, a vineyard um, worship pastor and worship leader at the time. And um, just talking to him, and randomly, I don't even know how it came up, but somehow I, the song Healing Oil came up, and I was talking about it. And he just starts getting really teary-eyed, and he said, you know, I wrote that song. And I said, you wrote the song Healing Oil? And it suddenly meant even more to me because of how special this man as like a father is in my life, my husband's life. And I was so excited. I told him, you know, I'm going to record that and we put that on my album and, and then um, it ended up being this song that my, my stepdad listened to over and over and over and then a really sweet and, and powerful moment, My I went in to say goodbye to my, my stepdad when he was dying and I um, right as I finished kind of saying my goodbyes he all of a sudden opens his eyes and looks at me and says Kim sing that song I love and I said healing oil and he said yeah and I started singing healing oil and he died shortly after and so that song is just like kind of been in my life for for a long time and been really special to me and meant something really special to me and I've had a lot of like really powerful moments um, in my life with that song
1: I can feel your healing
2: oil running down my
1: brow. I wouldn't trade another lifetime. How I feel right now.
6: Oh. Everyone, um, I had- Worth It All by Rita Springer, and this song, um, I remember the very first time I heard it. I I was living in Redding, California, and I had um, just started going to a church there and um, started going um, to, to see a counselor and go through some inner healing, and I was a fairly kind of new Christian, and, and I was just kind of starting to dive into my relationship with God, and I had had a lot of healing to walk through, and a lot of kind of reconciliation and things to work out, things that I had walked through in my childhood that were really hard and really difficult, and and then coming to, to know Jesus and trying to like reconcile those things, and um, I was just going through a ton of healing, and I walked into my apartment and my roommate was playing this song and I just stopped like the moment I walked in I I just instantly was captivated by the song and I just stood there listening and I just started sobbing and the whole song is just saying it's going to be worth it it's going to be worth it all and that was that song became the soundtrack of my life for the next few years of of everything I was walking through, um, it, everything from just the inner healing and, and kind of the wrestling through my faith and wrestling in my relationship with God and, and working some things out with Him, to even the kind of natural stuff of like I'm going to school, I can only do a part-time job, I'm struggling to pay my bills, I'm you know just trying to find like any work I can like. Just just all, all the different challenges of, of life in my my early twenties, and um, that this was a song that like got me through. You know, got me through just hanging on and holding on and, and trusting in God, trusting in His promises that I'm going to come out the other side and look back and say. This was totally worth it. It was hard, but it was worth it. It got me to where I am. It prepared me for where I am. And, um, and still to this day, that song, if I, I turn it on, I'll just start crying again because I can, I can feel that, that tug on my heart. Like, you know, God saying, hey, I got you. I see you. It's going to be worth it. It's good. It's going to be worth it.
2: It's going to be worth it. Worth worth it. It. It's it's it
6: so number 4 is the luckiest by Ben Folds and um, it's this really sweet, really beautiful love song. Um, you know, it's kind of just voice and piano, really. And um, this was the song that um, my husband sang when he proposed to me. And it was it was. It kind of became like our song while we were dating. And when he proposed to me, he sat down at a piano and he he didn't know how to play piano. And he went to someone and had them teach him to play this song. And he was so nervous; it sounded horrible. He just was stumbling over every note, but he just kept singing. And it was just the sweetest and and slightly comical and just most perfect moment and um that song was the first song at our you know that we danced to at our wedding and it's kind of been the song that every time if you know if we hear it come on um you know on the the iphone shuffling through songs listening outside in the evening or whatever it just feels like the whole world stops and we just kind of have this moment and it's really special and it always meant so much to us because it was always how we feel how we felt about each other like I feel so lucky that I found you and I'm so thankful that I found you and you were the one that I was meant to find and the song always felt like it just kind of expressed all of those feelings inside of us and so I thought you know I have to put this song in my my list of songs that have You know, shaped and impacted my life a lot because this is definitely one, you know, meeting my spouse, marrying my spouse, it's it's a special one. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, you know this this song is probably the song that I would think everyone would probably expect me to talk about, and I feel like I can't not put this song on the list. And it's how he loves, and you know John Mark McMillan wrote how he loves, and um, I recorded it back in. I It was like 2005, 2006, somewhere right in there. And that song just completely changed my life. Just completely, 100% changed my life, turned it upside down. That song, um, I had actually just um, come to a time in my life where I I just kind of wanted to go out and visit different churches and places where I heard that... God was doing something cool, and I I was just kind of on a a journey with the Lord and kind of wanting to just experience more, get more freedom, and just whatever it was that God had for me, and and, um, I set out. I landed in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, and and, I had met a friend, Molly uh, Williams, who she is John Mark's sister-in-law. And um, Molly brought me into Morningstar And um, John Mark was working there at the time As the youth pastor And he had been recording And had recorded a couple albums And he'd written this song And I think at the time He was actually in the process Of recording How He Loves And hadn't quite released it yet And um, he sang the song at, at like a youth event There at the church And I was sitting out in the crowd And heard it and I just got completely wrecked. I just never heard a song that talked about the love of God in the way that He did. And and if anyone is familiar with John Mark's music, they know that he's not a typical uh, songwriter or even a typical like church. Songwriter, you know, there's it's, it's a very wordy song. Um, there's you know lots of very you know kind of artistic lyrics and, and language in there, and a lot of imagery and um, a lot of kind of making these um, kind of uh, like painting pictures in your mind and stuff. And I just I was so moved by the song. I I, I just so encountered. Um, Jesus love in such a a fresh and amazing way and I um I'm getting completely wrecked and ruined by this song, and I come back home to to Redding, California, and I'm working with Banning Liebsherr, who's the director of Jesus Culture, and he wanted to record a a second album, and I said, I really want to sing this song and put this song on the recording. And the first time he and the rest of the team heard it, they're kind of like, you know, that's a. It's an unusual song. It's not like a typical song for us. And I was like, "You guys, this song. I'm telling you, this song. The world needs to hear this song." And they're like, "Oh, okay, okay." I kind of had to like sell them on it a little bit, you know. And um, when we actually recorded it, it's funny because i I just felt the I just felt like this the presence of God in the room in a way that I had never felt before, and I could just feel. His heart and him just so wanting people to really experience and encounter his love. And in the middle of the song, I'm I'm going. I got to communicate this somehow. I I don't want people to miss out on this. I don't want people to miss out on this moment. So I'm I'm desperately trying to. Communicate what is happening in the moment, in in an attempt of saying like, "Don't miss this opportunity." And I'm stumbling over my words, and I'm kind of stumbling through it, and I'm I'm feeling a little ridiculous. Like I don't even know if this, if I'm communicating well here. And when it was all done, I walked off stage, and Banning was standing there, and I started crying, and I was like, "I am so embarrassed. I just I can't even believe." that just happened. I just feel really awkward. I was trying to communicate something and then it hit me like, we're recording this. And I was like, Banning, you cannot put this on the album you have to edit this part out and he's like are you kidding me this was my favorite part of the whole night this this was so incredible and we argued back and forth for many weeks after with me just begging him please don't put this on the record this is so embarrassing and he's like Kim I'm just I'm gonna overrule you on this one and just say we're putting it on there and um then it was you know like I don't just a, a couple months or so it wasn't that long after the album came out my little brother who's like at home like in junior high or something he he calls me and he's like Kim you're on YouTube and I didn't even know what YouTube was I was like what is YouTube and my my baby brother is explaining to me what it is and when I get on YouTube and there's the video because we made a DVD um, of How He Loves of that song and I was like what is this? I felt even more embarrassed and I was like, what is this number right here? And my brother's like, the number that says 220,000? I was like, yeah. And he's like, that's the number of people that have seen it. And I was like, what? And I immediately got off the phone and I called Bandy and I was like, do you know about this? And he's like, yeah, isn't it awesome? And I was like, no. I was so like, I just... I couldn't wrap my head around it. And, I, you know, all these years later, I think, you know, it's really great. God used something that felt really embarrassing to me to, like, bring Him glory. You know, that's perfect, actually. And um, that song, like, that's what kind of launched Jesus' culture out there. It was crazy. Like, that song, like, went viral. And, and to this day... I still get random emails and, you know, Facebook posts and tweets of people just for the first time seeing that YouTube video or hearing that song and telling me about what it's doing to their life or how it's transformed them or the encounter with God that they had. Like, I... I it's, it is not um, died down at all. This, it still happens on a really consistent basis. God just using that song and that crazy moment um, to pour out his love on people. It's amazing.
3: It's Kim Walker-Smith Make sure to check out her new solo single It's called Throne Room It's out now to temples the song is certainty jeremy courtney is the co-founder and executive director of preemptive love coalition an international development organization based in iraq and i'll just say anecdotally he is one of the most incredible people in the world one of the most kind and giving and sacrificial and just humble love jeremy this guy love is that. literally on the front line saving lives you know, there, there's a unbelievable situation unfolding in, in Mosul where humanitarian workers are facing daily threats of violence as they attempt to deliver aid. Uh, to the city that's embattled between ISIS militants and military forces attempting to liberate it and Jeremy is there like l- literally on the front lines i mean like if you follow him on social media he's posting updates and stuff we wanted to have him on this week to talk to us about what's happening in Mosul and and um, the severity of the conflict and and how how we can help yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's
0: it's ins- there was a, i was you know doing daily news reading and there's a headline american aid group brave sniper fire explosions Mid- Iraqi battle with ISIS, and I was like, "Wow!" Mm, and then wow. You, you you go, and it's you know ABC News, and it's it's them, it's Jeremy, it's preemptive wow. love, and so yeah, we thought we need to call and you know have him tell people actually what's happening in the city that's really critical in the in the fight against you know we heard from uh, mm. uh, uh, Amal Clooney earlier about the you know this battle against isis and this is the front this is where it is all going down and mosul and jeremy's right in the middle of it all
3: without any further ado here is jeremy courtney
7: First off, I mean, can you just tell us, tell us what's going on, what, where are your people and why is, uh, why is it in such a, uh, why is, what's the violence about and how is it affecting your work there?
8: Yeah. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been in West Mosul, which is where the heart of the battle against ISIS is right now. Mosul has been ISIS's de facto capital in Iraq and really ISIS came to worldwide notoriety when they overran the the massive city of Mosul in the middle of 2014 and went house to house marking Christians' homes for expropriation and extermination. And then from there, I think their mass killings and the land that they grabbed all over Iraq really catapulted them to worldwide infamy. And so the battle against ISIS has really been a battle from the fringes back toward Mosul city which has been the, the heart of of their caliphate in many ways. And they've lost a significant amount of their land now. And really the the only important terrain that they control in Iraq at this point is now whittled down to West Mosul. So mm-hmm. for for months we've been we've been as close to the front lines as anyone working to get into people first who who need it most in the throes of this conflict and that's landed us really over and over again in the crosshairs of sniper fire and mortar rounds and proximate enough to airstrikes that you know it shakes our bones and shakes the 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 people around us that are that we're serving
7: Mm. is any of this directed at your people or is it just a matter of you're in the area or are people non-discriminately attacking others what what is it kind of what's that like
8: in in certain occasions it's absolutely uh, appeared to be targeted at mm. us as as far as we can tell I mean Isis doesn't send a, a memo ahead to let us know that that they're taking aim at us but you know as often as not there's nothing sure. else significant going on in in our vicinity except our attempt to get aid to people but to be clear they're they're sniping civilians when we're not there as well they're sniping the people they're kidnapping people they're using people as human shields and so it's it's not necessarily that they know who we are, it's mm-hmm. just that they are seeking to disrupt and disturb and scare anyone from coming in anywhere proximate to to the area that they control. And they've done a very good job. The truth is their, their violence from the snipers to the mortars to the suicide bombings and the kidnapping has managed to keep almost every aid organization out of West Mosul. Mm-hmm. And as of now, uh, I, I don't know of any other aid organization that has been in the inner neighborhoods of West Mosul, and according to top generals and top government officials, we were the first and, and, and so far the only aid organization to to go in, in spite of government and military calls to other organizations uh, to to come in to the front lines. So. Um, we, we have grave concerns about the way that the aid industry at large has chosen to respond to this conflict. The, the need has been primarily framed in terms of displacement. And so the aid industry at large is primarily talking about people driven from their homes. And to be sure there are tens of thousands of people who have been driven from their homes and need help and there are organizations meaningfully providing that help, but what gets um, obscured in that conversation is that there are far more hundreds of thousands still in West Mosul choosing to stay and in areas where we can access them Mm. if we will just choose to go to them and not make them come to us.
7: With um, with that, which of course is an overriding, you know, uh, philosophy of your work, you know, going to these people. Uh, but when you're encountering this kind of violence, particularly perhaps some that's maybe directed at you, how does that affect your your work in terms of um, uh, strategy or, or tactics? I mean, do, do you feel the responsibility to to pull your people out, or is that uh, just a, a part of the work that you're committed to doing? How do you think about that as as you're leading this group?
8: Well, it's a grave responsibility, and it's not something that any of us undertake lightly. Um, You know, in the earliest days of our work, some people may be familiar with our early mantra when we were surrounded in war by military and militia personnel who kind of lived by this motto of shoot first, ask questions later. And we sought to subvert that and see if we could become a community who was willing to love first and ask questions later. But that was a decade ago. And the truth is now after a decade of war, we've we've seen a lot and we've lived through pretty much all the bad stuff that war can, can throw at you. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of just somehow naively asking questions later, it, it doesn't work anymore for us. We we know all the questions and and, and sadly, I think we actually know many of the. The horrible answers as well, and so we don't undertake this from a a Naively youthful position any longer and as we've had to Mature through this work. I think it is why we've we've changed the the operating Motto in some ways from from this idea of love first ask questions later to When the world is scary as hell love anyway Mm -hmm. Um, We don't we don't deny the realities of what could happen to us, but we're trying to figure out if we can still continue to become that community who would who would press in for those who need it most. Hmm. Um, which is not to say that we don't pull back uh, and we don't take cover when, when violence is coming our way. It's more a question of do we continue to press in Mm -hmm. After airstrikes And after bombings And after near Kidnapping experiences And and things like that And the answer So far Thankfully Is that we We have been able to, To keep doing that
7: So we've seen In the past You know Several months Uh Reports, announcements, uh, moods that suggested that uh, Mosul was soon going to be recaptured. ISIS was driven out, and then um, after that, there was some softening, you know, of of what was happening. It seemed like, at least from over here, uh, in terms of maybe ISIS had more control than we thought, or or, or what have you. What, what's your assessment now in terms of the the ISIS and, and the battle for Mosul?
8: The military capture of Mosul from ISIS is really just a matter of time. Mm -hmm. Um, ISIS as an organization will lose and will cease to control any meaningful territory which is the basis of their claim to have some kind of caliphate and that will form a a very serious blow to the ideology and the eschatological claims that have, that that initially undergirded their rise to power and their appeal. Uh, Mm. But geographic territory and organizational fortitude alone are not really the only things at issue here. In fact, may not even be the most important things at issue here. Undergirding all of this conflict has always been something much greater than, than mere control of terrain or logos and flags. There are there are real fissures, real fractures in in society, and there are there is a fundamental lack of trust between tribes, sure. between various peoples, and uh, the U.S. is somehow mixed up in in all of that as well. And that's not to say that at the same time there are not beautiful displays of harmony and unity and sacrifice for one another and and uh, living as one in the face of, of this separation, of this great divorce between people, uh, you really can find both things here. And so I think the, the question that's yet to be seen is is what will win in the end? Will it be, will it be our great divorce or will it be our, our great belonging to one another?
7: Getting back a little bit to this, the violence and the this, this reports of, um, you know, your workers coming under sniper fire and those kind of things, is this, uh, how unique is this kind of violence in the life of preemptive love? Is this something you have seen before and this is just another kind of iteration or is this uh, something unique or, or increased in its manifestation?
8: Yeah, I think it's definitely part of the journey we've been on and... Yet, at the same time, it does feel like things have intensified for us over the last couple of years, particularly under the ISIS era. I mean, this is, as a family, my family has been at it for over a decade in Iraq and a couple of years prior to that in the region. So, um, we we have a long history of being around here and going into hard places like Fallujah Prior to ISIS, but but once the ISIS era came into being, things intensified because we changed our our response as an organization to to one where we were going to the front lines and really making uh, a greater effort to get things like food and water to people who were who were caught up in the violence, and so has by design, taken us closer to war, closer to the front line.
7: Sure, yeah. And
8: so, it, you know, it's not surprising that that we've been more proximate to ongoing danger as a result of the, the very kinds of help that we're trying to provide. So it is unique, um, and it's also, in some ways, feels like a, a kind of inevitable part of the, the journey given given what's happened here over the last decade
3: that was jeremy courtney if you want to get involved and help them in their efforts go to preemptivelove.org and donate today also they have, have great
4: gifts on there so if you're like buying a birthday gift for cameron (laughs) Creamed of love stuff.
5: 30, flirty, and thriving.
3: You're listening to Sir Was... The song is In The Midst. If you're Googling it and you have a capitalization-sensitive Google, sir is all lowercase and was is capitalized. So there you go, sir was. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Oh, Lord, help us!
4: <laughs> Most of your feedback, I did not care about.
3: Here, okay, here's the deal. This is the segment of the show where we would do any corrections and needed apologies about last week's show.
4: Oh, I have. There was a correction and apology for me. Yeah, somebody said that. A lot of people said I got the the uh, flying dog wrong. On, uh, no that was
3: me I said it wrong Valcor uh, well they were saying it to me too so apparently we both just got it wrong I <laughs> said the word valcor I've no, i don't know I just said it because <laughs> my friend this person's dog was named after well, right, the dog yeah. on the movie yes of uh, neverending story is named falcor. falcor and I will say on behalf of both of us I do not care. And I will not apologize.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I'm
4: deeply uh, sorry. Nope. I don't want to offend anybody. I apologize. <laughs> in three or whatever years of the show. <laughs> I'm not start now about a flying fake dog. So <laughs> with the next. Doopy eye. Yeah. Next question. <laughs> next comment. Well,
3: uh, uh, and we've already addressed the Hamilton situation. I thought we were going to leave it for this segment. Uh, but Jesse brought it up right at the beginning of the show, so <laughs> I think Jesse just likes watching other people. <laughs> just I, I, yeah.
4: I felt like it could
0: be ignored. I, it was the elephant in the room from from the first ad read. I had to I well, had to clear I, the air. It was like be on my mind the whole time.
3: I'm mindful of first time listeners. And so I don't want to like self-reference or other shows or episodes if, if somebody's listening for the first time. So that's why I try to keep it as a deep cut back here. If you made it this far back in the show, this is just the family talking now, yeah. you know? Um, but, but yeah, Jesse wanted to go front and center with it. So there we've addressed last week's situation. Yeah. Well, uh, last week's editorial question of the week, we, we were in the middle, we we're in the middle of Lent. We had Matt Chandler on last week talking about Lent and, a you know, unique perspectives on it and how to practice it. And so we asked you for the question of the week, what special things do you do to observe Lent? Not necessarily just what are you fasting or giving up, but do you do anything that's meaningful and special and unique? Um, Normally, this is when I would say you guys went on twitter and you tweet us at relevant podcast you posted your replies on the podcast episode page but the reality is is all you mm-hmm. guys did was yell at us about hamilton like maybe one person actually answered <laughs> the, the question my favorite
0: one. someone left a really thoughtful one about uh how his church observes lent as this season of self uh Examination, daily meditations on specific scriptures, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and how they look at it as a season to look at our own hearts, minds, sins. And we'll appreciate Easter Sunday even more. Also, maybe I'm alone in this, but I don't care about Hamilton. That's literally <laughs> what they wrote. <laughs> as the only
5: person who responded about love. I
0: literally just want to go a piece at a time and go, John David, book
4: the third don't care Uh, you're you're a nice man and we love you and also it did not convince me let's see who else oh adam jones did not convince me, but you're a sweet man, and good luck. <laughs> <Let's>
3: see. Who else can we just publicly? And this is, this is uh, why Eddie chose counseling and pastoral instead <laughs> of advertising. Clearly, he's he's going down the right path. Empathy. Oh, my goodness. So, all right. So, I guess, there, yeah, I mean, Jesse kind of wrote read the one. Um, so, it's time for this week's...
2: Editorial
3: question of the week. Yes. Well, okay, so off mic we you know we talk and this is the ed- the magic of the editing process <laughs> is like we sit there for for like 15 minutes debating the hard-hitting questions that should be the question of the week each yeah. week oh yeah and and so we you know we just got right. into it we just mm-hmm. got into it uh you know should we should we you know do to so- should we bring up hamilton again no mm-hmm.
4: Some people say they don't like it when we talk negatively about things we don't like,
1: yeah.
3: right?
4: So they, should, we should only yeah, we, speak positively about things we do like. Right. but not have a well-rounded cultural commentary, oh, right?
1: Studies <laughs> 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 over it. <laughs>
4: yeah, I like it when people say positive things. We, yeah. we,
0: we thought we thought of like, should we come up with cool inventions like the David Caruso glasses or the Trump pen? And I thought, what about microwaves with surveillance cameras in them? <laughs>
4: How about Samsung TVs? It's ridiculous.
3: (laughs) Samsung TVs that could be used as listening devices. (laughs) That would be a great invention. Oh, Um, government. So, so no, we realize. Let's just, yeah, no, let's just go a completely (laughs) different direction. It's spring break right now. Mm. And uh, a lot of you guys are are maybe even listening to this on a road trip. And maybe you're, you know, passing the time with our main banter. I'm on a road trip right now. While people are listening to this, I am on the road. Yeah, and 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 Jesse and I. While it's not spring break, I mean we're on the south road. by southwest. We're on the yeah. road. Let's go. Lots of spring travel happening mm-hmm. right now. Yeah, so we want to got us thinking about spring break. So we want to know for this week's question of the week, your best spring break stories. Uh, like maybe it's a road trip story. Maybe it's some crazy thing that happened in college. Maybe it's, you know, favorite musical you saw on a ro- spring break trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, soundtrack oh, that geez. might pass the pass the drive for you.
1: Let it go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: So uh, hit us up uh, on the podcast episode page. You can post uh, your, your stories there. Or if it's a very, very short story, you could tweet us at Relevant Podcast and we'll read our favorites on the show next week. Well, many thanks to our guests for joining us. Uh, Kim Walker-Smith's new single, Throne Room, is out now. You can follow her on Twitter at Kim Walker-Smith. Also, Jeremy Courtney, find out how you can help uh, Preemptive Love's work at preemptivelove.org, and you can follow him on Twitter mm. at jcourt. Court. I would highly recommend that. Yeah. Um, and thanks to our show sponsors for making this episode possible. Remember, with Blue Apron, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash relevant. And also uh, Squarespace. You can start your free trial today at squarespace.com. And then uh, when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, enter offer code relevant to get 10% off your first purchase. Hey, the new issue of Relevant is out now. The big redesign is here. Uh, we're continuing to work on the the website. The soft launch happened and we are adding meat to the bones every day. Uh, keep checking back with the new relevantmagazine.com. But subscribe. Uh, the new uh, to the new Relevant. You can uh, subscribe today at relevantmagazine.com. We we'd appreciate the support and I think you'll really like the magazine. Yes. I was I was pie. I took some with me on my recent trip and was like I felt like a I was Johnny Appleseed with magazines. So I was In just Johnny out. Magazine. Hey everybody! Like, oh, hey, we're meeting for coffee. I brought you a magazine. <laughs> yeah. I was just
4: like, I'll use it to spy on you. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Take a magazine.
0: That, that low main he just heated is from a Chinese takeout order over a week and a half ago. <laughs> <laughs> we're, de- we're dealing with a real
1: sociopath. He's wearing that
0: Tony Soprano apron morning
4: or uh, what is this guy it? Is robe sick. He is morning sick. and night. He is an animal. <laughs>
3: <laughs> On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffoltz.
5: I'm, I'm Chelsea Steele. I'm
3: Taylor Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next week.
4: for listening to the relevant podcast connect with us on twitter at relevant podcast and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on relevantmagazine.com and don't forget to check the magazine out it's available on newsstands and at the itunes app store or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe
0: I could never fall in love with a Billy Bass. I'll tell you that right now.